13. We are well able. You are well able. They returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Somebody say, at once. And possess it. Say, possess it. For we are well able. Not just to go in on a little vacation. Not to just go in and taste of the honey. Not to just go in and drink of the milk. But honey, we are well able to go in and to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. I was in here praying last night after our vision meeting. I was not necessarily praying about a message to preach. But this began to run on a loop through my mind as I was praying. God said, remind them, we are well able. We are well able. We are well able. I said, okay, God, I'll remind them that we are well able. And so tonight we're going to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost. Power to prevail. Power to prevail. Let's put our Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. God, I love you. I thank you for your spirit that we feel here on this Wednesday night. God, I know it's midweek, but it's not just a midweek. But God, this kind of service is the kind of service where lives can be changed, where futures can be altered, where dreams and visions can be realized, where you can equip us to actualize your power, your presence, your plan in our lives, in the present, and in the future. God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that our faith would arise in this place tonight God we magnify you we give you praise we give you honor we give you glory all over this sanctuary we're going to clap our hands we're going to lift our voice and we're going to say it one more time we are well able well able in Jesus name you can be seated Numbers chapter 13, we find Moses desiring to enter into the promised land with the people of Israel. They have escaped Egypt. They have marched out under the power of the Spirit of God, under the direction of God. They have been led 
by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They have made their way across the Red Sea. They have watched as Pharaoh and his armies have been absolutely annihilated behind them. Depending on which historians you might read, which accounts you might hear, that some say, well, you know, it wasn't that great big a feat because the place where they might have crossed was only approximately uh, 12 inches deep. Well, regardless of what history says and regardless of what the naysayers say, uh, the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. Well, maybe it was a sandbar. Okay, well, then the miracle is not in their crossing. The miracle is in the fact that God drowned Pharaoh on a sandbar. The fact would still remain that God drowned the armies of Egypt in 12 inches of water. The horse and his rider had been thrown into the sea. So no matter which way you look at it, baby, it was a miracle. And we serve a God who is a miracle worker. We serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly. I feel like preaching on a Wednesday night. Do you feel like preaching with me tonight? We serve a God who is well able. And we serve a God who said, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's chasing you down. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how dastardly it looks. God is well able. I don't care how much of a distraction it is. He's able. He's able. I don't care how sinister the enemy is. He's able. It might be as distracting as Brother Ezekiel's suit pants. God's still able. Caught me off guard at the beginning of service. Saw me laughing. That was why. Just caught me off guard. Moses sends out spies. I like his pants, by the way. He's 16. He can wear stuff like that. Get away. It's not immodest. Thank God they're not skinny pants. Right, dude? Yeah. Men don't wear skinny pants. It's hard to get skinny jeans over your work boots. If you're going to wear skinny jeans, you got to probably wear flip-flops. Oh, don't get me. we got power to prevail over sissiness. I'm just saying, they probably would have been greatly equipped had they marched across the Red Sea with red wing boots on. Right, Brother B? My God! They had an ostrich skin wallet. Man, they'd just be feeling on top of the world. God is not limited by the things that limit us. I said it during worship service. The Bible says, or the Bible relates the fact that God is immutable. That does not mean that you can just, you can't put the mute button on him so he can't talk. Now you could ignore him and block his voice out. But that's not what the word immutable is indicating. The word immutable means he's untouchable. He's, you, you cannot inflict pain upon him. He is not able to be inflicted pain upon by his enemies. He cannot be defeated. He cannot be injured. He cannot be bruised. He cannot be broken. He couldn't be whipped. He couldn't be beaten. 
say, well, I thought he was. I thought he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. I thought he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. You're right. It was. He subjected himself to being made like you and I. But even in all of that, he said, I could call ten thousands of angels. If you're really the son of God, bring yourself down off that cross. I believe that angels were standing at the ready. Just give us the word. Just release us. And he could have done it and he could have wiped them out. But he said, I'm so powerful. I'll subject myself to that kind of treatment. What are you saying, pastor? I'm telling you that God had to lower himself to become like you and I. So his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Moses sent them to spy out the land. Verse 17. He said, I want you to go up. You could get you up this way. Southward. Go up into the mountain. Look at it from a high place. See the lay of the land. They didn't have topographical maps. They didn't have binoculars. They didn't have transits. They didn't have surveying equipment. They had their eyes. He said, you get up to a high point and you look out over it and I want you to see as far as you can see in the natural. But what he's trying to get them to understand is they got to open up their spirit too. There were two out of the twelve that got their spirits open that were seeing with more than just their eyes, more than just their physical eyesight. Let me tell you, your physical eyesight is important for day-to-day living, but it's not nearly as important to your eternity as spiritual sight. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's struggle tonight, but we could go through life with two good eyes and make it uh, uh, not make it to heaven because we couldn't see the forest for the trees, because we couldn't get out of our own little box. And they came and he said, uh, he said, I want you to see what the land is. I want you to survey the land. I want you to look at the people that dwell in it. I want, you, I want to know if they're strong or if they're weak. He's laying out the plan for them. They don't even have to think for themselves. He's giving them the surveys. giving them the program. This is what I want you to look at. Look at the land. Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of land is it? I want you to look at the people. Are they strong or weak? Is there a few or is there a whole slew of them? And then look at the land where they dwell. Is the land good? Is the land bad? What kind of cities? Do they have tents? Do they dwell in strongholds? Do their, do their cities have walls that we're going to have to climb over or break through or tear down? Or can we just walk in? The people got to know. The man of God's got to know. Look at the land. Again, is it fat or is it lean? Is there wood there? Moses is saying, I'm tired of living in tents. When we get there, we're going to have to build some things. We're not just going in and kicking back in a lazy chair. We're not just going to sit there and and rest in the hammock between the palms. But when we get there, we're going to put some work in. Oftentimes, we confuse revival with ease. 
And we lose sight of revival because we're not willing to work. You know how you spell revival? You spell revival, a big old uppercase W-O-R-K. That's why the kingdom of God is likened unto fields. That's why the kingdom of God is likened unto merchant ships. You're going to have to be tough to ride the ship of Zion. He, that's why the kingdom of God is likened unto a vineyard. You got to get your hands dirty. You, there's going to be some fruit, but you're going to have to work at it. And it doesn't matter what time you come into the field. It doesn't matter what time you hire in. It doesn't matter what age you are. When you come into the vineyard, the wage is the same. I don't care if you were born in a Sunday school room and cut your teeth on the altar wood. It doesn't matter if that was where you came in or if you came in in your 20s or your teens or your 30s or your 70s or your 90s. The kingdom of God is open for all and the wage is the same it's a lot like work but I want to know is it fat or lean is there wood there and we got some things to build no matter what you see you need to be a good courage Moses is casting the vision he said you bring back the fruit of the land because God's not taking us somewhere where there's no fruit you were slaves in Egypt. You're not going to be slaves now. Now you're going to be landowners. You might have farmed in Egypt, but now it's your farm, baby. Now it's your field, honey. Sir, now it's your patch of trees. Now it's your logging business. Now they're your cattle. Bring back the fruit of the land because I know that you're going to be able to see it with your eyes. But now, now I want the people to be able to see it. They go up, they ascend by the south, they come to Hebron. There's so many messages, messages here to be preached. The children of Anak were there along with others. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. It's an old place. Canaan is what they're walking in. Walking in the land of Canaanites. It is the ancient name of the land of Israel. In the Old Testament, Canaan represented all of Palestine west of the Jordan River. And at this point, this is called the conquest. The Canaanite way of life was refined. These people had it going on at least to the outsider. They had fine houses. They knew their way down the fields. They knew how to make a living. They were technologically advanced. Here's a bunch of Israelites who were just released from slavery, who have got the dust of the desert. And these, I'm just going to go ahead and get ahead of myself. They start walking in. And they're looking and they're scoping it out and saying, yeah, it looks good. But I'm not as well equipped. I just don't have the education that these folks have. If I had those little gadgets, if I had those little tools, uh, uh, you know, then, then, then maybe I could do that too. But uh, I just don't, I still got dust in my mouth. Maybe they're still walking a little stiff. 
from the last beating they took at Pharaoh's taskmaster's hand. Maybe they still got the, the smells of Egypt burning in their nostrils and maybe they still got the mud caked between their toes and, and maybe they've got not not dug out the slime from the mud pit from underneath their toenails and ah, they're just looking around at themselves and all they're seeing is their inadequacies but let me tell you we're not going in of our own strength we're not walking in under our own power If we had to preach only when we felt strong, only when we felt good, only when we felt equipped, and only when we felt at the top of our game, honey, I'd never preach. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not preaching in my own power. You're not living for God under your own power. We're not prevailing under our own power. God's given you talents, but he's also filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so you got to get your eyes off of your deficiencies. You've got to get your eyes off of your inadequacies. And you got to make up your mind. If I got to have revival messy, I'm going to have messy revival. Oh, I'd like it to be polished. But if it can't be polished, I just want to have it messy. I may make a mess of it, but I'm going in. The ten. Saw the good of the land. They're refined. But what should have gotten their attention as well was that these people were absolutely pagan. There was no semblance of living for Jehovah in the land that they saw. Everything was pagan. Their worship was pagan. Their living was pagan. They ate a pagan breakfast, a pagan lunch, pagan dinner. They played pagan games. They had pagan furniture. Pagan houses of worship, pagan homes. They did idolatrous things with everything they had. What does that mean, Pastor? That means for you and I, and what should have meant for the ten spies is that God's not getting any glory out of this. God's not getting any glory out of this. We could look at the parable of the talents and the one who buried his talent in the dirt and said, I'm just going to cover this up. It wasn't the fact that he just was afraid. It wasn't the fact that he was scared. It was the fact that he didn't do anything with what he'd been given and God couldn't get any glory out of it. And so what happened was that the talent was taken from the one who was equipped. They were just scared. And the talent was given to the one that had more than enough. Why? Because God is not so interested in the amount of talent you have. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with the level of grace that he's given you. The level of faith unto every man is given a measure of faith. What are you doing with the faith that God has given you? I'm getting off track, but everything that they were looking at was used for pagan worship. This land's too great for the pagans to get glory. 
God needs to get the glory. They're looking at a land that's fat. They're looking at a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That does not literally mean that there were creeks and rivers and streams of milk. And if you drank from this stream, you were getting whole milk. And if you drank over here at this stream, it was vitamin D milk. That one, there's no trees around. It's in the sunshine. So you get the milk and vitamin D and an extra dose of vitamin D. And if you drink from this little spring over here, you get 2%. And then if you if you get up on the bank where people walk through the water or walk through the milk and they get up there and it mingles with the well, then you get skim milk. It's just white uh, white water. That's all that it is. No, that's not what he was meaning. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What is he talking about? He means there's a lot of cattle there. And these cattle, this, this, this bunch of cows is, is calving. They are producing after their kind. And after their kind. And they're having babies. And there's a plentiful amount of milk for you and yours. And then there's honey. That means sometimes you're going to have to be willing to fight some bees. I want the sweetness of the honey, but I'm too afraid to be stung. What if it goes bad? But what if it doesn't? You'll never know until you reach the hive and you pick carefully and you figure out how to get the sweetness without getting burnt, without getting stung. Let me tell you something, folks. God has spread a table before us in the presence of our, our enemies. And God's saying there's a lot of things going on in the world, but I want to receive glory. I need to evaluate my life and ask myself, is God receiving glory from what I'm doing with what I've been given? You want to start a new business. You want to make more money. That's great. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants you to live blessed. But how can you be blessed and bring God glory at the same time? I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be anointed. I want to be blessed. Unlike the Levite that Micah hired, I'm not looking for 10 shekels and a shirt. And when the next offer comes along, when the Danites come along, it just be the priest to one man. You can be the priest to all of us. Here they go. God wants to get glory from your life. God was wanting to receive glory by taking away that which the pagans had built. I said it last night. You can do your own research. You can find it in Exodus 23, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Then there's some in Numbers as well. Do, do your own research. And you'll see that they, they were delivered from Pharaoh. Delivered from the Egyptian. That's likened unto New Testament salvation. It's a type and a shadow. Paul said they were all baptized under the cloud. And in the sea, they walk out on the other side of the sea and they're worshiping, singing a new song. Baptism in Jesus' name is typified there. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is typified there. 
And then they've got all of these other enemies, all of these other Canaanites that God said intentionally. He said, I am going to leave them there. That's awful mean. Think a bunch of slaves had swords. They're going to their first battle with rocks. Going off the sand, kind of chunky. Said, I'm going to leave them there intentionally to prove you. There's seven that are listed: Amorites, Gergesites, Jebusites, all the ites. Anyway, God wanted them to have complete and total victory. But he said, if I just go ahead and wipe them out right now, you're not big enough to occupy that land. So I've got to let you build your faith. I've got to let you reproduce before I can give you everything. I want to give it to you. It's there. And it's for you. But if I wipe them out right now, the beasts would come in and ruin everything. And I don't want your inheritance ruined. So I'm going to leave your enemy there to tend your garden, to plow your field, to build your houses. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. I came to preach tonight that God has given us the power to prevail. We've been given instructions for our mission. When we pray, when we fast, when we get in the Spirit of God, when we get into the Word of God, and God starts opening up our spirit and showing us what He wants for our lives. It's not time to cower back. It's not time. It's not time to back off. It's time to say, okay, God, how do I get from here to there? I want to go there. I realize I'm not there at the moment, but I believe you're going to give me the power to prevail. I believe you've already given me the power to prevail. There's resources there that I don't have here. They stopped eating manna that fell out of the sky the day they crossed over the Jordan River. They stopped drinking water that flowed from the rock the day they crossed over the Jordan River. Why? Because God was trying to get them to understand, I'm still going to provide for you, but it's going to look a little bit different now. You're not on wilderness welfare anymore. I'm going to say that again. You're not on wilderness welfare anymore. But the resources are there. If you'll go work for it. If you'll put in the W-O-R-K. God said, I'll pour out blessings. Well, the manna was a lot easier, but you were living in the desert. Water from the rock was a lot easier. You were wandering in the wilderness. They came, they went, verse 26, they came to Moses, to Aaron, the congregation, the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land, clusters of fruit, clusters of grape, whether the grapes were the size of volleyballs, or whether there was, there was just so many grapes in the bunch, normal-sized grapes, either way. Wow. Two guys have a Hole between them, and they've got the cluster of grapes tied up 
and it takes two guys to carry the cluster. Imagine walking out of Kroger. How many Kroger plus points did you get this time? About 5,274. That's the biggest bunch of grapes I ever saw. But it's a land like I never saw before. Imagine with me feeling the weight of the fruit and still saying, our God's not big enough. They got it stuck in their mind. There's giants there. They got six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Specimens of physicality. Perfect examples. Word is distinct. We're a physical specimen. Anthropology. There we go. Perfect. There had been a Canaanite sports magazine. They had been given a high six. Imagine going to those sporting events. They don't go from one to ten. The judges hold them up. Well, I don't know. You can pick your nose and scratch your ear at the same time. You can do it now with five fingers. Just don't try it during church. <laughs> Man, we saw these guys there, and I didn't know what to do. They were big, and they're, we're, we're just Hebrews. We're naturally short of stature. These guys are giant. The Bible describes it. One of them's got a bed that's 13 feet long. It's bigger than a California cane. Canaanitish king. What are we going to do? That pipsqueak. Have you seen what God did? But they they had seen it, but they couldn't get their minds wrapped around it. And Caleb tried to stop them. He said, "No, no, 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 no! I, you gotta, you gotta be quiet. You gotta no, stop listening to them. I'm telling you that." Everything they said is true. Yeah, there's big guys over there. Yeah, there's a lot of fruit over there. Yeah, there's a lot of big houses and stuff. But yeah, there's, there's some big folks over there. But we are well able. I'm getting a little righteous indignation right now. You ought to shut down the voices of the ten spies and say you can't do it. You'll never make it. You ought to stop trying. We ought to just be content living in the wilderness. Let me tell you what the problem with that kind of thinking is. The problem with that kind of thinking is that you'll never be satisfied just living in the wilderness. Oh, we had garlic and leeks and melons in Egypt. Would God, we could just go back. What you do, bring us out here to die. Oh, God brought you out so you can live, but your lack of faith is going to cause your death. God brought you out that you might have life and life more abundantly. Imagine Caleb looking at his wife. He said, babe, I peeked in one of those windows. That bed was so big our whole family could stay in it. We could have 17 children and we could all share the bed. Oh, you can't. Everybody. 
what a great celebrating Christmas. I don't know. Should have seen the couch. Should have seen the recliner. Woo, buddy. Should have seen the fridge. Should have seen the stable. Should have seen the barn. Imagine what kind of horse it would take to carry a giant. Pull him in a chair. Clydesdales over there for riding horses. The other ten. They're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Is exactly what they said. They're huge. They're powerful. The land is full of them. They heard the way they talked to each other. Heard the way they worshiped. Man, that gave me the willies. They saw dancing around their fire. Sacrificing animals, calling on the names of the gods. Big, they're bad, they're ugly, they're evil. Not only is it a natural obstacle, but it's a spiritual obstacle. And their report, in spite, or despite rather, of seeing all the fruit. Land. They bring a report that only focuses on the obstacles, on why we can't. Their conclusion was not based upon their faith. Their conclusion was not based upon what they had seen God do before. But they disregarded God's power alone had brought them out of Egypt. Let me tell you, the same God that delivered you from your sin, the same God that filled you with His Spirit, the same God that washed your sins away, the same God that's put your family back together is the same God that can open the doors that need to be opened. He's the same God that can throw giants out of the way to give you your inheritance. I've come to tell you tonight that we are well able. We are able. We have power to overcome. We've got power to prevail is literally what the language means. But not just that. We've got power to endure. We don't just have power to have momentary victory. We've got power to endure. When we're flying high on spiritual and physical victory, or when we've crashed and burned, and we're trying to figure out what the next move is going to be, we've got power not just for the fight, but we've got the power to endure. 
We are well able to overcome it. That word overcome is defined by Webster. It means to get the better of, to surmount, and to overwhelm. He's saying we've got the ability to overwhelm. But Caleb, they're giants. Yeah, but our God is bigger. Yeah, the land was full of the giants, but there's a lot more of us than there are of them. If I got to bite their ankles and climb up to their shoulders and wrap my legs around that big fat neck and choke them out, that's what we're going to do. We'll overwhelm that sucker. We'll overwhelm them by sheer force of numbers. If we have to, we've been through slavery. It hardened us. It gave us the ability to endure. It gave us... Let me kick it way back. The children of Israel, every time Pharaoh put the pressure on, you know what they did? They had more babies. We've learned to endure by multiplying. We've learned to endure... We've learned to endure by blocking out the sound of the taskmaster. We've learned to endure by focusing on that which really matters. I've come to tell somebody tonight, we've got the power to prevail. We've got the power to prevail. Caleb concluded, as we stand tonight, that God's people were stronger than the people of the land. Caleb understood that faith in God makes nothing out of reach. It brings everything into the realm of possibility. Let me tell you tonight, we have the power to prevail. We are well able We are well able. You can read the sad state of affairs for yourself. Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of the twelve that had gone who would ever go in and possess. At the time of their going in, Caleb was approximately in the neighborhood of 80 years old. And he'd look at Joshua and he said, remember that first mountain that we climbed? Hebron? Moses said I could have it. Joshua did not say, but friend, that old wilderness hadn't been very kind to you. I don't know whether there was supernatural preservation or if it was just the fire that never died. Caleb said, friend, I am now as I was then. Give me my mountain. Joshua said, it's yours problem was all the giants by this point had been run onto that mountain any of them that had escaped had congregated on Mount Hebron well Caleb said oh we've been practicing this 
my wandering days. We had a beautiful daughter. The man that helps me get my mountain. <laughs> I'm old, but I ain't dumb. Can have her as a wife. And the first judge of Israel would arise because he teamed up with Caleb, who happened to be his uncle. His name was Othniel. And years down the road, after Joshua's passing, Othniel would become the first judge of Israel because he wasn't afraid of some giants. He said, Uncle Caleb, I'll go. Let's go get us a mountain. Let's go kill us some giants. We are well able. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. It lists accomplishments of the heroes of the faith that we find in the Bible. We're going to summarize it tonight. It says that the, by faith the elders obtained a good report. By faith Enoch was translated. Noah built an ark for the saving of his household. They received the strength to leave their old lives behind. Sarah received strength to bear a son after her age said no it's not possible by faith the children of Israel saw the Red Sea divided by faith Pharaoh's army was destroyed by faith they saw the walls of Jericho fall by faith they subdued kingdoms kingdoms they overthrew entire nations they stopped the mouths of lions. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong in their times of weakness. They waxed valiant in the fight. They made entire foreign armies retreat. And they saw the dead raised to life. He said, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I come to tell you tonight, if God could do it with them, God can do it with us. They were tormented, thrown in prison, sawn asunder, yet they didn't give up the faith. We got the power to prevail tonight. If God can do it for them, God can do it for you. You're able to take possession from the enemy. You're able to conquer giants. You're able to move in to what God has for you. I wonder tonight if I've got anybody that believes the preached word of the Lord that you've got power to prevail. I wonder if I've got anybody in this place tonight that believes I'm well able. I'm well able. I'm well able. Why don't you let your faith rise? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Hear the voice of 